Why don't I pray before we, we, we get cracking properly? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, all the blessings you give to us day by day, uh, and for your providential hand upon our lives. Uh, Lord, through the good times, through the difficult times, Lord, you are there. You never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, you open up to us opportunities every day to be faithful to you and to accept your invitation, uh, Lord, to follow after you. And so, God, we pray that as we uh, reflect upon the story of your, your people, of you working in history uh, to bring about your purposes, Lord, that we would be encouraged uh, and, Lord, that we would be inspired to uh, once again um, open our eyes and our hearts to what you would do in our lives and what you are already doing in the world. So God, be with us, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as I was uh, preparing this morning, we're, we're looking at um, the, the people of God returning from the exile. So if you remember, um, and it seems like we go through this every week, so you're going to know the biblical story pretty well. But basically, you know, the, the people of God set up a kingdom and the monarchy, and that didn't go so well for them. Uh, it split into two, and then through their unfaithfulness or their constant um, turning away from God, um, God warns them through the prophets to be faithful, but then ultimately judges them with exile into the empire of Babylon. And last week we looked at how the people of God were trying to figure out what it meant to be the people of God in a new place. Um, and I am going to mention it, Jacob. There we go. Jacob said, am I going to mention any Boney M again this week? Well, sure, why not? Um, you know, how do we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Um, Psalm 137. How do we be God's people when everything we thought we knew about God has been blown out of the water? Um, and... Uh, then this week, what we hear is through the hand of Cyrus being moved by God, the providential hand of God, the people are uh, given the opportunity to return to the land and to rebuild their temple, to rebuild their lives, uh, once again reconstituted as the people of God. And as I've been churning over this in the, uh, through the week, uh, the, this one, I guess, sentence message has come to me. Um, that, you know, I'm, I'm an old Anglican and now I'm a Presbyterian. And so when, you know, when God speaks, we know it. Um, you know, we're not kind of going off on a whim all the, all the now and then, but um, I really feel God's put this on my heart for this morning. Um, and so we're going to see how this goes, and, and I really hope it is. But the sentence that history has been disrupted, that God has moved in the same for you, right? History has been disrupted. God has moved, and the same for you. And, and what the same for you means is God has, has disrupted or interrupted history for you. And, and we've got this opportunity to see that God has stepped into history, has stepped into our lives, and given us the opportunity to move down a different path, to rewrite the story, um, and to start again. Uh, and, and I hope that's where we're going to end up at today. Um, so let's, let's get going. So um, we heard that in uh, Claire's reading, uh, in about the year 539, the Persians conquered the Babylonians. They were the ones who had taken Israel away, uh, the southern kingdom. Uh, and so Persia moves on in. Um, and then the year after they conquered them, King Cyrus makes a decree uh, that permitted the Jews to return to Jerusalem 
uh, so they could rebuild the temple uh, and, uh, like I said, begin rebuilding their lives. And uh, over the next couple of decades, what happens is the people build the temple, um, they build the wall, uh, and uh, again, become God's people once more in Jerusalem. And as we read through the literature from this time, there's, there's a couple of messages that, that constantly come through. One is to persevere with this project. The other one is to keep God at the center. That's what Haggai comes in and preaches about. Um, you know, he's, uh, Bill read, you know, he, the temple of the Lord lies desolate, but you've built your houses, your paneled houses. And the idea is that um, God's temple, God's house has laid bare, but people have gotten so busy building their own lives, they're building their own houses, they've built these opulent houses that are just beautiful and, and glorious, but they've neglected God. Right? And as they've come to be the people of God again, as they've come from the land, they're so focused on rebuilding their lives that they've forgotten about the law of the Lord. And so we hear Ezra coming back um, to remind the people again and again to be faithful to God's law, to put God's law at the center of their lives, to repent and to rededicate themselves to God. And there's a sense of irony that the, the people who have come back into the land live so close to the judgment of God, yet they're forgetting about God, right? The, the reason that they went into exile in the first place was because they neglected God. And now they're back in the land and God's providential hand has been upon them, yet they're ignoring God again. And so the prophets come, and, and I've, as I've said over the last three weeks, the constant call of the prophets is covenant faithfulness to be faithful to God, to return to God and put Him at the center of your lives. At the time of the kingdom, it was be faithful and God will, uh, won't bring judgment upon you. In the time of exile, it was like be faithful and then God will bring you back into the land and reconstitute you. And now in the, once they've come back, it's like remember to be faithful. It's not like we haven't reminded you of this before. Be faithful and keep God at the center. Otherwise, the same thing is going to happen again. But they don't, they don't do it. And I, I kind of think of it like this. You might, I'm sure you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times. I like air crash investigation, right? the, the program, uh, air crash investigation. And um, there's a, uh, the number one cause of crashes in air crash investigation um, is pilot error. Right? So it's not usually something that's wrong with the airplane, but it's something that the pilot does that crashes the plane, um, right? And so a number of these, though, are, are to do with, um, with, with being distracted, right? And one that comes to mind is and this, this plane's coming into land. It's a big plane. I think it's like a, a DC-10. So it's coming into land in Florida. And as they come into land, they put the landing gear down. And this light comes on to tell them that the landing gear hasn't fully deployed. And so they start working on figuring out whether the landing gear has actually come down or whether it's a fault with the circuit and the, the light. And the, the pilot and the co-pilot start working on it, and then the engineer gets involved, and then the other person who's in the cockpit. So there's four people working on this one light bulb, and they're so focused on this light bulb that they forget to fly the aeroplane. Right? And, so this, and it's at night time, and so this aeroplane's just getting lower and lower and lower, and they don't realize until it's too late, and the, the aeroplane plows into the Everglades, you know, the swamps where all the alligators and things live there. Right? They're so distracted by this one little thing 
that they forget to fly the plane. The one thing that is most important to all of their jobs is flying the plane. Yet they don't do it. They neglect it because they're distracted. And that's the same with God's people. This is how, how I kind of think about it, roundabout way to sort of think about it. But, but God's people are so busy focusing on the small things of their lives that they're forgetting about the bigger thing in life, forgetting about God, who is the key to life, the source of life, and the key to their future of thriving and flourishing as a people of God. And so Haggai comes back and reminds them, if you don't focus on God, it's like putting money in your pocket with holes in it. Put God first. Put Him at the center and rebuild. And God has disrupted history to bring the people back and given them this opportunity. God has moved the heart and the hand of the, the emperor of the Persian Empire to enable them to come back into the land and to rebuild their lives. God has acted in this magnificent and grand way, yet they're focusing on their own lives and what they can do to have control of their lives and what they can do to progress their lives. They've forgotten about the one thing that really matters, and that is God. And so as we go on, as we read the literature of the a return from exile, there's again this problem or this conundrum that the people are trying to figure out of how to be God's people in this new situation. They had to figure it out in uh, the time of exile, and now they're having to figure it out again in the time of return to the land. Uh, and they're left with this problem that though they've, they've come back into the land, they're still actually serving someone. They're still serving a master other than God. And so, yeah, Haggai's calling them to come back, and, and they're faithful. They rebuild the city. They rebuild the walls. They become faithful to the law. But it's still not right. Things still aren't as they should be. The hope hasn't been fulfilled. They're left with the problem that they are still serving another master. They're still serving the Persian Empire. And so uh, we get readings of encouragement like Malachi chapter 4. Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming... The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its ring, wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him for all of Israel. The people are still looking forward to another day of deliverance, another day where God will act to fully deliver them and set them free from the evil of the world, the evil of oppression, the evil of those who do not trust in him. 
And of course, we know the day that Malachi was looking forward to. We know the day that God brought upon the world. We know the day when, again, history was interrupted once more. The day of Jesus Christ. See, this time, instead of being brought back from exile in Persia, God's people were brought back from the spiritual exile of alienation from God. God has brought us back from the exile that we experienced after the Garden of Eden into our relationship with Him. History has been interrupted for us. A new path has been opened up. Stop all my notes from falling off my stand here. Let's see if I can adjust some of these things. Here we go. History has been interrupted again. This time, as God's people, we've been brought back from a spiritual exile. But as God's people, once again, we can also get caught up in defining who we are and forgetting about who God is and what God has already done for us. We can get so built up building the walls and walling ourselves in from the people around us that we forget that God calls us to go out to the nations. As the people of God, we have been tasked with alerting the world to the fact that Jesus Christ has given us this new life. As the people of God, we've been tasked with showing the world that there are two ways to live. The way the world was going and the way the world can go with Jesus. We've been given the task of alerting people to the fact that as Jesus has interrupted time, has interrupted history, and calling them to walk with us. That is our mission here as God's people. And it starts with us first realizing it ourselves. That Jesus died for you. That Jesus has brought you back into relationship with God from a spiritual wandering and wilderness. that Jesus is offering you new life and hope if we would follow him down this path of life. And once we accept this and know this and start walking this path, we're given the opportunity to alert others to that and to invite them to walk down that path with us as well. And this is the key to what we want to do here at GPC, the key to our mission of connecting, inviting, and transforming connecting with God. We are a church in exile, yes, but we've also been brought home to God. We've also been brought back from exile to build God's kingdom, a kingdom that isn't physical in its advancement, that isn't necessarily physical in its presence, 
but is that place where God's rule and reign is in this world. We are called to connect to God, who says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're called to know that even when we were sinners, that Christ died for us, Romans 5, 6 to 8. I want to read that one because it's so good. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ still died for us. So maybe we're weary and tired and we need to connect with God. Maybe we're feeling the weight and the burden of our sin and we need the peace to know that that has been dealt with and God, gone and that God has dealt with it and connect with God in that way. But we also need to connect with one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. And we need to connect with the world around us. Go into all the world, Matthew 28, and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. If we get so bogged down building up ourselves or walling ourselves off, we won't connect. If we get so busy building our own lives and building what's important to us, we'll miss the opportunities to connect with other people and we'll miss the opportunities to connect other people with God. If we wall ourselves off like the people of God did in the, when they returned from exile, if we do that here and now, we'll become arrogant and condescending. We'll look at others and say, well, when you're good enough, then you can come in. We'll say, when God calls you and then you'll come in. We will not transform or win Glendowie for Christ if we remain a moral enclave. And that's not the way of Jesus either, is it? The way of Jesus was meeting people where they were at was building relationship, was bridging the divide. Not giving up truth, but bridging the divide and building those relationships. As we connect with God, as we're refreshed and empowered by Him, as we connect with others, and as we connect with the world outside of our, our church, of our Christian community, we are given the opportunity to invite to invite others to know God, to know the rest and the peace that God gives us, to know the forgiveness and restoration of our souls, to know the refreshing of God's Holy Spirit. We're given opportunities to invite people to church and to see their lives transformed. Connecting, inviting, and transforming. These opportunities lead to transformation in our own lives, to transformation in our church community, and to transformation in the world around us. If we remain open to see what God's providen what we see, sorry, is God's providential ability to open up the world to us. Empires rise and fall. Babylon, Persia. Greece and Rome. 
Yet God's hand was over history, working God's purposes out for God's glory with God's people. If we look at the exile again, and we see what had happened, not all God's people returned to the land, but actually they were scattered throughout the known world at that point of time. And the worship of God moved from being centralized on the temple and the priesthood to synagogues, to rabbis and teachers. And that may not have been what the people wanted as they returned from exile. It might not have been what they thought God was going to do or what they expected God to do, but God did it anyway. And God used this. As Jesus came, the world was perfect for him. He was able to go to the synagogues to debate with teachers and show that he was the one who fulfilled all the scriptures. As the church blossomed, Paul on his missionary journeys again used synagogues as his primary place for sharing the good news of Jesus. He used Roman roads to travel the world in a way that was never known before. He was able to, as a Roman citizen, use the law of Rome to his advantage. There was a common language instituted by the Hellenists, uh, by the Greeks, and that was uh, common throughout the, throughout the empire. There was the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, that enabled the, the gospel and the missionaries to travel throughout the empire in relative peace and harmony. And we too stand in a place in history where we have the opportunity to make a real impact, to truly touch the world for eternity, for God's glory, if we are willing to keep God in first and foremost in our lives. Will we focus our lives on what God is doing, on what God calls us to do, and build our lives upon the rock, upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ? Will we get caught up fiddling with a little light? It's here and then God. Build our lives upon the rock, Jesus Christ, the solid foundation. Trust that God has interrupted our lives and that as He, as he does, it is an opportunity to reach the world, to transform the world, to connect once again with Him and invite ourselves and others into the transforming love and power of Jesus. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we uh, we do see your hand at work in the world. Of all the events of this world, from creation through the history of your people, through our own lives through the relationships that you've, of people who you've brought into our lives, 
And that through all of these things, Lord, you do open up for us opportunities and invitations into your grace. Lord, would we have the courage to take those invitations, to step forward in faith, and to see what you would do in our lives. Would you soften our hearts to connect with you, to be encouraged by your people? Would we take opportunities to invite others into relationship with you and to share your good news? And would we be open to the transformation that you would bring in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.